You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Have you ever heard this, this song uh, written by Andre Crouch? It says, If Heaven Never Was Promised. You know, just listen. I asked Natalie to sing at least the first half of the song, enough to just sort of help us remember the words or hear them for the first time. Here's the question for you. Are these words true for your Christian experience? You may ask me why I serve the Lord. Is it just for heaven's gain? following Jesus if heaven was not part of the package? You know, some people, they'll say, uh, oh, well, I don't want to go to the bad place, <laughs> so I'll follow Jesus, so I'll go to heaven. And, and that becomes the motive. They just, I follow Jesus, so I get to heaven. That, that's one reason we can follow Jesus. There can be another motive, and I cringe every time I hear it because so often it is said very publicly on television and through media. You know, if you follow Jesus, he will bless you. You come to Jesus, he'll take good care of you. He will prosper you. He'll make you rich. And I cringe because I follow Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't want to follow Jesus? And what do you got to lose? If he's going to make you rich, he's going to prosper you, he's going to bless you and heal you and do all these things. And so that can be another motivation that we can have to follow Jesus, to get to heaven or to receive blessings, you know, to receive the benefits of following Jesus. Now, let's be balanced in our 
teaching here. God is a loving heavenly father and like any loving parent, of course he wants to bless his children. But how many, if you had children and the only reason they ever make contact or relate to you is because they want to get stuff and they don't give two hoots about you, all they care about is getting your money. They're like gold diggers. And they're, they're like those people that worm their way into the lives of seniors to manipulate them to get a hold of their money. You know, if, if that, listen, God wants to free his children from selfishness. He certainly doesn't want to nurture it. He doesn't want to advance it in their lives. And so every time that Jesus detected that people were following him just to get a healing, just to get a miracle, or just to eat. Remember he fed the multitudes and people were saying, oh, free fish and chips. We'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. They thought, this is great. And Jesus would say, hey, you want something to eat? What about my flesh, my blood? You know, you've got to sacrifice. This is what it's all about, forgiveness. And Jesus wanted to heal, wanted to do miracles, wanted to bless his children, but that was not the motivation for following him. You see, neither of these are sustainable. There's only one sustainable reason that you and I can have as human beings for following God and living for Jesus. And that is... Third, because I love and trust him as my God. Remember when Jesus was cornered, what is the motive? What's the greatest reason that we can have to live? Jesus would say, as he said it here, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The greatest thing that you can do with your entire life is to love the Lord your God. Now, um, how's God going to find out who's following him for that reason? How does he filter out people who follow him because they just want to go to heaven? Or they just want to get blessings and benefits? It's just all selfish. How is he going to filter them out? I'll give you a one-word answer. Trials. Trials. Now, Who's the poster boy in the Bible for trials? Yeah, no, but you, you knew, Pastor Jonathan told you that was what the series was about, right? So Job, Job. Let's turn our attention to Job. Job chapter 1, it starts out, I mean, Job's on top of the world. He's living not just a good life, a very good life. He is healthy, wealthy, and wise. He has um, a relationship with God. He's such a balanced life. He, he's, and, and God, he, every day he prays, and, and you can see that he brings God into all the different areas of his life. He gives God praise for all the blessings that he has in his life. He's got this wonderful family. He's got this circle of friends. God has blessed him. Life is more than good. And then, Job chapter 1, Satan comes on the scene, and he says, God, I know why Job is devoted to you because you bless him. God, you take away the blessings and Job will no longer follow you. He will no longer serve you, no longer praise you. You just take away the blessings and you'll take away Job's spiritual commitment to you. And so God allows a trial. If you read it, Job loses it all, all the wealth. He just goes bankrupt, possessions are gone, loses his family except for his wife, and she's not much help. Remember her advice? Curse God and die. Just swear a bit, Job, that'll help, you know. And then his friends, his friends stop being friendly and they become enemy. 
We'll talk about them next week, how to not be that kind of a friend, but we'll learn lots about that. But, but they're basically saying, Job, if you're going through a trial, obviously you've done something wrong. If you're going through a trial, it's your fault. And it goes on. And have you read Job? It goes on and on and on and on. One miserable chapter after another. Forty-two long chapters of the same misery. If you read through the book of Job, you feel like you're going through the trial with Job. Now, Pastor Jonathan and I have taught about trials. 101 trials, 201 trials. Today we're going to learn about trials 301. What what's, are trials 101? The ones that we all have. Even a brand new Christian will have this kind of a trial. James talks about it. He says this. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience trials of many kinds. Because they're doing something, he says. Your perseverance is developing character. Watch this. Trials 101. That's one level of trials. And what they do is they mature you. You grow. And you know that. If you've lived for God for any length of time, you know the times you go deeper in God are not when things are going easy, but when they're going tough and you trust them and he brings you through and you have a victory. And that's, that's wonderful. Trials 101 are wonderful. That You can see uh, something happen in you personally, uh, spiritually, you're growing. Then there's trials 201. Remember in the series about Joseph? Joseph just went on and on. The, the abuse of his brothers, sold into slavery, false accusations from Mrs. Potiphar, landed him in jail. And, 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 but it also says the Lord was with Joseph in prison. Everyone thought just say the Lord. So what we learn there, of course, is that if we go through a trial, how many know he'll give us the strength to get through it? We see that. But you also see Joseph coming to a day where his brothers who had abused him and sold him into slavery are standing in front of him. He's in a position of power, and he says, don't be afraid. Listen to this. What you intended to do against me for evil, God has turned into good. Listen to this now. He continues. He says, for the saving of many lives. You see, God prepared Joseph through his trials his circumstances navigated their way into where he was the second in command to Pharaoh, but God also, through those stressful, abusive situations, developed something in Job where he could handle that position. How many have ever seen someone get into a position and they can't handle it? <laughs> because they don't have the character strength to sustain them in that. Well, Joseph had been prepared by God to handle the position of power that he was put in. So, watch this. Trials 101, personal growth. Trials 201, to help other people. Remember Joseph? I I'm, I'm, went through all of that so I'd be in this position so I could save many lives. But what about trials? You know what makes trials 301 so difficult? You don't know the purpose. You don't know why you're going through them. Job's going through a level 301 trial. Matter of fact, you know what? He's going through a 3D trial. Three-dimensional? No, 3D. Doubt, demands, and desperate. He's doubting God's goodness. Chapter 27, he says, God, why are you denying me justice? He demands God's knowledge in 
chapter 21, why are the wicked blessed? They're the bad guys. I'm the good guy, and I'm going through the trial. God, why? I want this knowledge. He doubts, he demands, and he's desperate for God's answer. Do you know that, do you know that Job curses his birthday? Forget, like, just no birthday cake. I mean, he curses his birthday. He curses the day that he was born, the Bible says. He's doubting, he's demanding, he is desperate. Have you ever experienced a level 301 trial? You ask, but you don't receive. You seek, and you don't find. You knock, and nobody's home. Just, God, where are you? And you tick the boxes. I love you, God. I'm not perfect, but I want to live for you. And I, I, I'm doing what's right. And yet I still end up in this kind of a situation. And, and the nightmare continues. And every time you wake up, it's only to ask why. There's no purpose in sight. You're doubting. You're desperate. And you're demanding to know the purpose. Ever been there? Welcome to Job's world. And get this, now, watch this now. I read through this a couple of weeks ago. And after 40 chapters of this miserable trial, even when God finally breaks the silence, he still does not give Job an answer. Job still does not have revealed to him the purpose of the trial. What does God say when he finally breaks the silence? Have you read Job? He takes him on a virtual tour. He takes him up into the constellations and the universe and the stars. And he says, see all this, Job? Do you know how this was made? Do you know who runs this? And then he takes Job. He continues that virtual tour on earth. And he especially takes him to the animal world, the animal kingdom. And he says, do you understand how these animals were made, how they work and how they function, how I give them life. Do you under The bottom line is God basically is saying, Job, what I know is beyond what you can understand. What I do is beyond your ability to do. And, and after the tour, do you know what? Job is satisfied. <laughs> he still doesn't have an answer. All he has is the answerer. And he's satisfied. Because he's been judging God with a human measuring stick, a measuring tape that's a human. He's trying to measure God, and God, God's just not there, you know? Listen, I, I learned three things about Job that help me when I go through trials that I cannot understand. I don't know what the purpose is. And here's the first thing. When we can't understand what God is doing, we can trust God to be doing more than what we can understand. Isn't that the truth? My three-year-old grandson is at the why stage. I love it. Just everything. Just why? Why? You know, this whole why. Reminded me of the story of this uh, little kid, little boy in the back seat of the car and his dad was driving. And the little boy was slowly munching away on his apple, but he was taking so long between bites that it started to turn brown in between bites. You know how that happens. And so we just, from the back seat, there's this voice of the three-year-old to his daddy. And he says, Daddy, why is my apple turning brown when I eat it? And the voice of the dad from the front seat said, because after you ate the skin off, the interior substance of the apple came into contact with the air which caused it to oxidize, thus changing its molecular structure and turning it into a different color. There's a long silence and then the boy in the back seat said, Daddy, are you talking to me? <laughs> Listen, 
As God told Isaiah, he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How many understand God's in the front seat of our lives, driving us? We don't always understand. Listen, if he, can you imagine if right now we'd say, God, just give us one of your thoughts that we were never intended to be capable of understanding. There'd be smoke coming out of every one of your ears. Your synaptic gaps would be going, your heads would explode, you know. Listen, when we can't understand what God is doing, we can trust God to be doing more than what we can understand. How many are thankful that we have a God that knows a whole lot more than we do? <laughs> but it, there's more to it than that. When we don't have an answer for what is happening, we still have, an, we still have unshakable reasons for trusting God's love. Parents, which parent was there when your child received their first needles? Remember, just probably two years old, the vaccinations or whatever. Um, do, do you remember being there? <laughs> and how did you prepare the child? Did you say, now you're going to get a little zimmy and it's going to hurt a little bit. You know, it's all right and all right. And it's going to be fine. It's for your own good. How would you explain it to the two-year-old? You know, they're just like, whatever. And then they get... And they look at you and say, how could you ever allow this to happen to me? Because your thoughts are not. But, but it's more than that. Watch it. It's more than that. Because what do they do? Do they, do, they, do they run out of the room with a needle hanging out of their arms? What do they do? They, they cling to you all the more tightly because they not only know that you know more than they do, that they also know that you, you love them. You love them. And that's the way it is with God. When we don't understand, we don't turn away from God. We cling to him all the more tightly because we, we, we know that we are loved by him. And then, and then there's this. Even if your trial is lifelong, you're still going to outlive it by millennia. You know, like Paul tried to get, Paul was good through, you know, talking about shipwrecks. I mean, he was through, left in prison and left for dead one time. He was through a lot of trials for others, level 201 trials. But he said this, he said, for our light and momentary troubles in this life are achieving for us an eternal glory. <laughs> How many know eternal means forever? Age after age after age. Our light and momentary trials are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. I mean, if you compare forever to this life, it, it, eternity, heaven, forever, far outweighs them all. When we've been there, how many years? 10,000 years. We've just begun. There's another 10,000, another 10,000 after that. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when you're, when you're, even if your trial is lifelong, you're still going to outlive it by millennia. That's the truth. Now, we have to ask the question, if we're going to be good Bible students and understand what God is revealing in all 66 books of the Bible, we have to look at this truth and say, okay, what else does God say about level 301 trials? Is Job the only one to go through a, a level 301 3D trial? What about in Daniel, where it tells about the uh, three young adults who were followers of God and have been told by the king that if they didn't worship false gods and bow down to his image that they'd be thrown into the 
fiery furnace. Okay, I'm going to read their, their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Do you notice three levels of faith? First of all, our God is able. Secondly, our God will. And third, here's the 301 faith, even if he doesn't, he's still God. Even if he does, if he does something that, from what we understand at this point, he's going to, but even if he doesn't, we have a God that knows more than we do. And we give him space for that. We don't understand, but we trust his character. And we'll be alive, king, long after the ashes of you, this fire have gone cold. We're still going to be alive and with him. Now, that's, that's level 301 faith. Listen to Habakkuk. I was reading him early this morning. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And then he says, get this, he says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, and though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, how many know he's having a bad year? <laughs> Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Listen to one translation. It says, he makes me as sure-footed as a deer and will get me over this mountain. Isn't that something? That's, that's just, there's something. I, I'm more confident in God than I am in my own understanding or even understanding God's purposes and what I'm going through in this trial right now. This is level 301 faith. All right, you say, what about someone in the New Testament? I'm glad you asked. The Apostle Paul wrote the Corinthians, and he said, I prayed about this, that, that, that it would be gone. Satan's been tormenting me, and this thorn in the flesh. Listen to what he says next. I'm going to quote him. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am I'm weak in myself, but I have the strength of God that can come into that vacuum. He moves into that space, and I am strong. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. It's his strength. And so this level one faith, we may not even understand the purpose, but, but there's just something of God that he gives us when we go through those kind of trials that we won't experience if we don't have them. After the Holocaust, these words were discovered inscribed on the wall from someone who had been in prison for years. You ever heard them? I believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when feeling it not. I believe in God, even when he is silent. That, that's, that's level 301 faith. There's not one of us that if we went out here today and the, the sky was completely cloudy, 
uh, or it was pouring rain. How many know, we'd still know the sun was up there. We'd still know. We, we, we wouldn't be going by what we, what we saw in that moment. Earlier in the service, did you hear Natalie explain about Horatio Spafford, that Chicago businessman in the 1800s who lost his business and his kids and everything, and he wrote that song, It Is Well. He says, when peace like a river attends my way, like it. When sorrow like sea billows. You know why he says sea billows roll? Because he wrote that verse when he was crossing the Atlantic and going over where they speculated was the spot where the shipwreck occurred and his daughters were drowned. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And, and I, I sort of sang with you the last verse of that with just an extra layer of meaning today because can you imagine how exciting it would have been for him to write, and Lord, haste the day when my faith will be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Can you imagine how much he looked forward to reunion day with his daughters and his little two-year-old boy that had died? Uh, how many understand when, when we see, we can't, now we see through a glass dimly, but then face to face. We're going to understand a whole lot more than what we do now. Okay, but did Job get it? Did Job get to this level three faith? Now, we need to be careful. Watch this. This applies to all of the people in the Old Testament who followed God before Jesus. When they said Redeemer, they weren't thinking of Jesus the same way we do because we look back on the cross. When they talk about faith in God, but there was something that they had that they just knew that God would make it right someday. And they knew, and nothing and no one could take that away from them. And so listen to how Job says in chapter 13. He says, speaking of God, he says, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. There is something about a person who has that 301 level trial where they're desperate and they're doubting and they're demanding to know what's going on. But they, through it all, God, if you dig through the layers, you're going to find that I believe in you and I trust you and my hope is in you. There's just something that is there for them. And Job certainly displays that he's following God, not because God blesses him or because he has heaven someday. He's following God because God is God. God is worthy to be followed in his life. Now, so I was thinking about, you can sort of think of the trials in your life as filters. They're like filters. You say, how, how so? Well, trials will keep selfish people who follow God just to get what they want, to get heaven or to get blessings. How many understand that's not sustainable? If you follow, all you need to have is a heavy-duty trial and you'll get rid of that, those people. They won't be following God anymore because they'll the go, I was following you because you blessed me. Well, you go through a season where the blessing's not there. How many of that's going to filter them? Because watch this now. If God allowed selfish people just to follow him and get the same blessings in heaven that people who follow him because they love him, watch this, they would not love God. They would go to heaven with selfishness and they'd mess up heaven with the same selfishness that has messed up planet earth. Do you see that? Just, I live for me. It's not about, about the environment. It's not about other people. It's about me. 
And if you take that attitude and that perspective to heaven, you're going to mess up heaven. So God uses trials to filter that out of every one of us. You say, Pastor Keith, have you ever gone through trials? Come on. 101, 201, and 301. Been there doing that. <laughs> like you, you say, well, what kind of 301 trials are you going through? None of your business. <laughs> if I don't know the purpose, I'm just better. How many know? I'm preaching to myself. We, we all go through this. Sometimes I can look like James teaches, and I can say, oh, God. Look, I never would have matured in that area had I not trusted you through that trial. It was for my personal growth. That's a level one-on-one trial. Other times it's like Joseph. It just goes on and on and on. But it gets to a place where you can look back and say, Oh my goodness, that's why I went through all of that. God worked through all those things to prepare me to help these people. Do you see that? That's level two-on-one. But then there are those ones where you just say, I don't know the purpose. I don't understand. So what do you do? What do you do in those situations? I, I, I think the th same thing that Job did and the same thing that the psalmist David did. And that is, first of all, express your confusion, however painful. Right on? Have you learned to do that? When you're going through a trial, do you say, why God? Or do, you just, or do you go before God and say, God, I don't understand. I am confused. I am desperate. Do you just pour out your woes to God? Just let him, he, listen, he knows what you're thinking anyway. But what it helps you, not just therapeutically, but it also helps you spiritually when you can just identify it and articulate it and get it out there before God. You know, some of the Psalms in the Bible are nothing but that. They're not all just praise the Lord. Praise. Sometimes it's God, why are the bad people prospering? Don't understand this. God, why am I going through this trial? Get into the Psalms and express what you're going through honestly before God. Secondly, Trust God's loving wisdom, however non-understandable. What am I saying? I'm saying be the child in the backseat of the car who uh, trusts the knowledge of his father in the front seat. Be the child getting the needle who doesn't understand the purpose, but when he feels pain, she feels pain, they, he or she clings to the parent all the stronger. Because we know our Heavenly Father is the most loving parent in the universe. So we trust God's loving wisdom, however much we don't understand it. And then third, follow God because you love Him. <laughs> and the outcome is heaven forever. How many are glad that God loves to bless people? He wants everyone to go to heaven. But He's going to make sure that the reason we go to heaven is because we love him. Because if we go to heaven because we just love ourselves and it's all about us, we're going to mess up heaven and so he filters that out. We follow God because I love him and I trust him and then the outcome is heaven forever. Listen to Job. Listen to how Job says it. Job basically says, God, you're going to have the last word. Look at this. He says in Job 19, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth 
And after my skin, remember those repulsive boils, those open sores that, uh, anyway, it was messy. After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Do you see that? Now we can read a lot more into that than what he intended because he, this is pre-Jesus. But what he is saying is this, I don't understand the purpose of the trial I am going through but I do know that when this trial is done and dusted, my Redeemer will be standing and I'll be standing with him. <laughs> do you see that? Uh, he, he'll be standing and I'll be standing with him. Nobody or nothing can take that away from me, not even a 301 trial that I don't understand. So what about you? What about trials that you are going through in your life right now? We're going to have communion in a few moments. Between now and then, I'm going to ask you to... to, to in, to just pray about your trials and how you're going to handle the next big one. Because you're either going through a trial or God's getting ready for the next one. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> I'll invite our communion service to uh, move to the lobby and prepare to service. You say communion? So we'll have to talk about Jesus? Oh, that's, that's not difficult because we often think that the person that went through the worst, heaviest, most Extreme trial in the Bible was Job. Wrong. Wrong answer. That title goes to Jesus Christ. Because he took upon himself all the sins of humanity. Watch this. He who knew no sin, he was pure, he was perfect. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so he took all of that upon himself. He went through the worst trial in human history. And you hear him in the garden. We saw it last Good Friday that when that sin was coming upon Jesus and he became conscious of taking on himself all the filthy lies and perversion, the wrongs that humans had done, and it's separating him from his father. What does he do in this confusing, painful trial? You know what he does? He expresses his confusion, however painful. Listen to him. Father, if it be possible, let this cup, let this experience not happen. Let it pass from me. Remember on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He gets it out. He expresses it to his Father. But then secondly, he trusts God's loving wisdom. Listen to Jesus. Continue that sentence now. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. Do you see that? He's saying, God, I don't want this. I don't want to be separated from you. I hate sin. But I love you, and I love the sinner. So let your will be done here. And then Jesus follows God. Follows God because of what? Because of what's the only right motive for serving God and following him? It is what Jesus said, love. Love. Watch this now. Why did Je what was the motive for Jesus? Why did he go to the cross? There's a verse in the Bible that answers it. Watch this. Why did Jesus endure the cross? It says, for the joy set before him, down, out there on the other side of the cross, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. How many understand more... Not what, but who the, the joy was that was set before Jesus. It was who? who was, it was us, right? It was people who would love God and follow him. And he wanted to be with them for all of eternity. Isn't that great? 
You know, a, a lady was leaving here last Saturday night service, and she said, Pastor, Pastor Keith, she said, I'm going, really going through it right now, but she says, I'm clinging to those words that you said one time, and that was, if God brought you to it, God will bring you through it. Isn't it true? Level 101, 201, 301. <laughs> if God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. Amen? He'll, he'll bring you through it. So let, let's pray about this before we receive communion. So, Lord, every one of us in this room uh, positions ourselves in our hearts. We posture ourselves as a child. We don't pretend to know it all, and we certainly don't know what Father God knows. But, Lord, we do express our confusion and our pain. Maybe even there's some desperation in some lives in this room today. We don't know why it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on, and there's no change. So whether we're going through a a trial that James taught us about, a one-on-one trial that matures us, or whether we're going through a trial like Joseph where stuff happens in our lives and it's preparing us to handle something where we can help others, or whether it's a Job 301 trial, and we have no idea what the purpose is. Help us to base our faith not on what we don't know, but what, I'm, what we do know. Help us to base our faith on what we do know. We know that you love us. We know that you know more than us. So we trust you to know infinitely more than us. Heavenly Father, we trust your wisdom. We follow you and thank you it's a safe thing to do. Even though we, we don't understand, we, we do understand that you love us because you gave it all for us. You didn't have to, but like we're going to be demonstrating through the communion emblems, you, you didn't hold back. You gave everything for us. We can trust a God who knows all and who loves us that much. So Lord, help us to handle our trials on earth the way that we'll be glad we did when we stand before our Redeemer face to face. Lord, until then, even when it hurts, even when it hurts so much, Help us to trust your wisdom and your love. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.